Hi there, and welcome to the All About Everest podcast, episode 18, the spring 2022 Everest recap. This week's episode is going to highlight some of the things that happened on this season, including so many different achievements and some of the stats regarding this year's season. So let's go. This episode is late because we got a winter storm on Wednesday and Thursday. The wind was so bad. There was so much background noise. And then Friday, I had an injury. I accidentally got shot in the eye with a airsoft pellet by a six-year-old while I was sleeping. So I couldn't even see anything out of my left eye, let alone sit in front of the computer or screens. There are a lot of updates, but before we get to the main podcast episode, just a couple quick things to share with you. There is a new book out about Mount Everest. It's Everest 1922, the epic story of the first attempt on the world's highest mountain by Mick Conifree. It's about the very first expedition to summit Mount Everest with George Mallory. And it's really good. It really discusses like, you know, some of the first mistakes that they made, how people felt. It's a combination of uh, essays, letters, and also just the writer's thoughts about what happened in 1922. So it releases on Amazon on May 31st. You should absolutely pre-order it, especially if you're a huge Everest fan like me. There is another book that came out last month, The Third Poll by Mark Sinat. So in 2019, he basically went up Mount Everest hoping to solve the mystery of Sandy Irvine and George Mallory. Did they actually reach the summit of Mount Everest or not? And this is probably the biggest mystery on the mountain. And in his new book, The Third Pole, he basically explores what happened, what could have happened, and this crazy theory of possibly the Chinese finding the body of Andrew Sandy Irvine with the camera. If anyone remembers, and we did talk about this, there was the little Kodak pocket camera that if anyone finds it, there may be proof on there that the two of them actually did reach the summit. Anyway, in his crazy theory, he basically says that the Chinese found Irvine with the camera and it's hidden away somewhere so that no one can take away the glory of the Chinese summiting Mount Everest from the Tibetan side. I'm not all the way through it, but it's insane. It's super intense in some places and it kind of reflects on, um, if you've watched it, there's the anime uh, series Summit of the Gods and it you know it, it's totally hypothetical but again it was the Chinese somehow had the camera 
So if you like true crime mysteries, conspiracy theories, anything like that, you really should read this book. Um, and it may not be a conspiracy theory. It may be absolute correct because he does bring in evidence of what could have happened. So again, another good book to enjoy about Mount Everest. Ellis Stewart, who wrote in 2016, Everest, It's Not About the Summit, is coming out with a new book next year. And in his book, he attempted to summit Mount Everest twice, once during 2014 and once during 2015. And we know how that turned out because there were no summits from the Nepali side due to those two tragedies. So it's supposed to be coming out in 2023 and I'm excited because I, I thoroughly enjoyed his first book and I love the fact that, you know, even though he didn't reach the summit and I don't know if he will ever return, um, you know, again, it's not about the summit and he learned so much about himself through the journey of you know, failing twice because that's essentially what happened and it was completely out of his control. So thanks Ellis for writing another good book and we can't wait to read it next year. Also, if you haven't read it yet and I mentioned it during the podcast episode about the 2015 Everest disaster and avalanche the book The Next Everest, Surviving the Mountain's Deadliest Day by Jim Davidson is editor's pick this month on Amazon. So through May 31st, it is on sale for Kindle for $2.99. So I would absolutely go for it if you haven't already read it. Um, a very raw account of what happened, but then he was also resilient and he went back in 2017 and achieved the summit. So if you haven't read it already, you should snatch it up. Again, it's available for $2.99 through May 31st, 2022 on Amazon for Kindle. So I had a couple comments and questions that came through on messages and email. So I'm just going to address those. The first one was the person asked if the high altitude workers, the porters, the support Sherpas, if they get credit for reaching the summit as well. And the answer is yes, they do. Like Cami Rita Sherpa, he achieved his record by being a high altitude worker and this last record breaking summit that he had, he was in the uh, rope fixing team. So yes, they do get credit. Another comment I got from a listener was about the David Sharp episode. And she stated that she used to teach lifeguards and was a lifeguard for many years. And one of the first things that they teach is if you cannot save yourself without the other person dying, there is nothing that you can do. So if they teach that in lifeguard training, wouldn't it be the same on Mount Everest? It's kind of like in airplanes too. You know, they tell parents, put on your mask first because you cannot help anyone if you are at risk. 
So I thought that was a really good point. So there's a viral photo going around the internet. Um, it's a girl in a bathing suit at the Everest Base Camp site. And a lot of people are enraged, some aren't. And a lot of the local Nepali community, they're kind of outraged. They are modest. They have very traditional beliefs. And I kind of identify with that. Um, both of my cultures, the Israeli one, and also being a Mormon polygamist as a kid, like it is inappropriate to show that much skin at a religious site. Like I wouldn't wear a bathing suit to the Wailing Wall, right? And I wouldn't wear a bathing suit to a temple. And Everest is considered very holy to them. And if you ever go anywhere outside of where you live, you should always respect that culture. So I understand why people are upset. And that is not something that I would do. And I always encourage people that travel and tourists respect the local culture. You're not going to walk into someone's house and do ridiculous things and then have them want you to come back. So that's just my thought on that. I also had a discussion with a mountaineering friend of mine and we were talking about survivor's guilt. Um, two people were lost on Mount Everest this year and I think a total of four for the Himalayas. And it's just kind of a reality. And one of the things that I realized is these people that I write about, these people that I read about, that I see in the documentaries, some of them may not be around in the next couple of years because of mountaineering accidents. Because it is a very dangerous venture. Whether they do it for the thrill or they do it for awareness or any of the other things. And you cannot hold on to that people make those choices like David Sharp. We mentioned it last episode. They make those choices and it is what it is. So I wanted to touch on that as well. There were quite a few interesting things that happened on Mount Everest this 2022 season. Um, a lot of achievements for women and also uh, breaking records. There were also quite a few people that were the first from their company country to summit Mount Everest. One of the things that I noticed and even experienced, some of the expedition leaders were kind of secretive to an extent of who was in their party, who they were working with. And I thought that a little weird because Mount Everest shouldn't be political. And the only Two reasons I could think of of people kind of being not necessarily shady, but secretive was that they were afraid of political backlash from people because of who was climbing with them. And maybe some of them had some top secret projects. I'm not really sure, but I thought that that was a little weird. Um, I did finally find out one of the three Israelis that were attempting the summit of Mount Everest and I've only heard about one that actually did and that was 
Danielle Wolfson, which last year she was the first Israeli female to summit Mount Everest. She did it again this year and also did a double summit of Everett and Lotse, Everest and Lotse. There was a huge weather window this year, and those weather windows can be anywhere from a day or two to maybe a week, but this one was huge. So the first summit, uh, it was May 7th, and people are still summiting, and today is the 22nd. Even though base camp has cleared out for the most part, there are still people up there. And it's crazy. They had the perfect weather window with the winds being low enough, the skies being clear enough. Super crazy. This does not happen. I mean, it, it's been over, well, over two weeks because today is the 22nd. So that's 14 days of consistency of people being able to reach the summit and climb. So that's pretty cool. Um, the other thing is that climbing will probably end uh, by May 29th just because the icefall doctors will no longer be maintaining the route. So far, based on some of the numbers, and again, these aren't official final numbers, 562 people have summited from Nepal this season with 220 by paid members supported by 343 Sherpas. And that's a one to one or one to one and a half, one to two ratio, which is crazy. So there was very high Sherpa support this year. And normally it's not that high. It's probably because they've realized with all of their experience, the more Sherpa support that you have, the more likely you are to reach the summit safely and return. That owes good logistics and Sherpa support. And also going quickly, good weather are some of the things that lead to a successful summit attempt and also getting all the way back down. Because it's that descent from the summit through the death zone, which is really hard. There's a lot of fatalities at that time, and then also the Kumbu ice fell. So a pretty successful season, um, though there have been higher numbers in previous years. A lot of people did not climb this year uh, it, it, because of COVID, um, because they prefer not to cross the Kumbu ice fell. There were some political things as well. I hate bringing up that word political when it comes to mountains, but it is out there. And, you know, it was a good year. So many people were successful and there were only the two deaths that I had mentioned previously on Mount Everest. Um, so overall, a pretty good season. There were a lot of um, different climbers this year and a lot of different projects. One of those was the new Everest route that Mark Batard started last year and he was going to continue it this, this year as well. The whole point of this new route was to circumvent the Kumbu Icefall so that people did not have to traverse it. Um, it's a very dangerous place to be and 
he felt that, you know, he wanted to take this project on and find a new route that was safer. Besides attempting this new route and establishing it as well, he also planned a no O2 ascent to commemorate his 70th birthday. Well, it did not go as planned. Um, apparently, he was extremely upset. A lot of it had to do with the Nepali government. Um, they decided to charge him not only for his Everest permit, but also for Noopsy. Um, which I don't understand why they didn't support him because he's trying to find a safer route. But maybe the Nepali government doesn't want that. The majority of the people who do get killed in the Kumbu Icefell, they are from the Nepali community, um, but they haven't really seemed to support Mark in his efforts. So that did not happen. I think it's really unfortunate. Um, hopefully he can talk to them or they can talk to him and he'll be able to establish this easier route. David Gottler is a German mountaineer that he decided to summit Mount Everest this year with no support, no O's, and the only support he actually did receive is he used the fixed lines and ladders that were set up at the beginning of the season for everyone to use. So he summited yesterday, May 21st, and he did it all on his own. It did take him quite a longer time than most people, but congratulations to David for your No O's Summit. So even though the full circle Everest team consisted of 11 members, there were only eight that were actually climbing and all eight of them completed their summits being the first all black Everest team to summit Mount Everest. My understanding is there will be a documentary next year um, that will be released so be on the lookout for that. I think it's really amazing um, that they were able to achieve this. And a lot of it was with crowdfunding, um, talking, reaching out, and it's super amazing. And before I forget, Kristen Harilla, who um, is from Norway, and I mentioned this before and I could never remember her name. She's attempting all 14 um, 8,000ers in the quickest amount of time. Even if she doesn't beat uh, Nims Day's record, she'll have been the first woman to do it the fastest. So she, I believe she has climbed five or maybe more, but she's currently on a spree. Um, there's that one mountain in China that might be a problem. I forget which one it is off the top of my head because they're not letting anyone in for climbing. So hopefully they will um, let her do that. So be look on the lookout for her. And with her record breaking, she did uh, summit Mount Everest this year as well. So the summits first started on May 7th when the rope fixing team made it to the top of Mount Everest. 
Cami Rita Sherpa was the one leading the team and he broke his previous record of holding the most summits on Mount Everest. So now he's reached his 26th time and is still holding that record. The first Westerner or member or person with a paid permit, I'm not really sure how to refer to them, so I'll use Alan Arnett's words of member, was Portuguese climber Pedro Quiros on May 9th. He got a tip from the National Geographic team about some awesome weather, and so he took it, becoming the first person, um, the first Westerner to reach the summit this year. Lucy Westlake became the youngest American female at 18 to summit Mount Everest. So she now holds that record. And Lakpa Sherpa summited with her 10th summit um, and continues to hold the world record for the female with the most summits of Mount Everest. I couldn't find it, but there was an article a few years back about Lakpa Sherpa, how she was basically waiting tables, work, you know, cleaning, doing all of these jobs just so she could summit Mount Everest and how, you know, a lot of women from their community do not get the recognition. They don't get the sponsors. If I can find it, I will put it in the show notes. Um, but look how far she's come and look at what she has accomplished. It is impressive. It does not matter where you come from. Even one summit to me is impressive, but to be a woman and to do, to complete it 10 times, um, especially in a mountaineering world, which is usually dominated by men is beyond amazing. So congratulations to her. For her new record. Another female record was uh, Gabby Canizé, who became the youngest Australian to climb Mount Everest. She did it with her mom and she is only 19 years old. My understanding, she is not only the youngest Australian, but she is also the youngest female Australian. Um, but hey, Everest wasn't enough and so she went and also summited Lotzi as well. So, hey, overachievement is great. And I truly believe that you just go and do whatever you can and don't let anything stop you. We'll see what else she has in store if she's going to try any of any of the other um, big mountains, if she's going to try for the seven summits um, or even, you know, the Explorers Grand Slam. So it'll be interesting to see if she continues climbing in the next couple of years. We do have a couple more female achievements on Mount Everest this year. The first female Vietnamese woman summited Mount Everest, and I probably am not pronouncing her name right, Nguyen Thi Tan Na from Saigon. So she became, uh, she's a lawyer. Um, and she has become the first Vietnamese woman to summit Mount Everest. What an achievement. I actually, um, I'm following her on Instagram and her photo, she is just beautiful. She is just a beautiful and strong and amazing woman. And she joins the ranks of all of the women that have achieved the summit of Mount Everest. And also 
the huge amount of women this year that um, have created records and done amazing things. So another double record by a woman this year on Mount Everest was by Alpha Karina Aru, also known as Karina Aru, from El Salvador. So she became not only the first Salvadoran to reach the summit of Mount Everest, but also the first female. So she will probably hold on to those records for a little while, especially being the first um, female from El Salvador on the summit. Those records are not one ones that are broken often. Um, any of the records that are held by women, it usually is a couple of years or not at all if they are. Ronald Quintero became the first Honduran to summit Mount Everest this year. And even though this wasn't a record, the only Ukrainian to summit this year was Antonina Samilova. Um, she did it for her people. She did it for her country. She did it for awareness. Um, even though there were a lot of Ukrainians that were very adamant that there should be no Russians on the summit this year, um, there were several Russian members a lot of them were climbing with the Seven Summits Club, including Danielle Wolfson. She holds dual citizenship between uh, Russia and Israel, or she was born in Russia and um, is a full Israeli citizenship. I'm not sure what that's at right now. Uh, it used to be that you could not have dual citizenship if you were from Ukraine or Russia. So congratulations to Antonina Samolova and also to um, Ronald Quintero. Those are big achievements as well. One record that I am forgetting as well is that Kenton Cool just got his 16th Everest Summit. So he is the... Um, the only Westerner or non-Sherpa with the highest record of 16th summits. Um, the current record, again, I mentioned this at the beginning, is held by Kami Rita Sherpa. So again, another record that was broken. One of the things that I noticed is, you know, and it's been commented on in the different media outlets is, should it be about the records? Should it be about the next crazy thing? The next big thing? It, I mean, is it about popularity? Is it about what gimmick? I don't know. Um, and it's not for me to decide, even though I, I think it's fun when people come out with uh, new projects or new firsts or things like that. Um, but it is... Some people have even said that it's uh, very disrespectful at times um, and it should be about climbing the mountain, not about the next big best thing. So that was something that I noticed. There were two people that were attempting to paraglide from the summit um, and South African Pierre Carter was successful. I can't remember who this second was, and I don't know if he was successful, successfully achieved that. 
a lot of the times, and I mentioned this previously, it takes time for the media or the news to kind of catch up. Um, internet there is sketchy. A lot of them don't want to announce anything until they get home safely and things like that. What we've noticed this year is that people aren't just summiting Mount Everest and then going home. They're trying other things as well. Um, in addition to that, like Kristen Harila from Norway, she's already done a couple other peaks. She did Everest and now she, you know, Everest, Lhotse, and, you know, from there, a lot of people have done those double headers this year, or if they, they've gone from one summit, they've come all the way down and gone somewhere com completely different. So that's interesting as well. So if I have any more information, I will update you guys next week. If there's anyone that I missed, please let me know and I'll mention it in next week's podcast episode. Okay, next week's podcast episode. So I'm not going to say who it is, but I do have someone who's pretty awesome and spectacular. He has summited Mount Everest and he's an author, has written one of my favorite books about Mount Everest, and hopefully I can get him on before next week. Um, if not, I'm not sure what next week's episode is going to be about. I don't have the website done yet. I've been having some serious server itch issues and things like that. And then, you know, the snowstorm being shot in the eye with an airsoft pellet. And it wasn't even like from an airsoft gun. Like he shot it out of a straw, like a pit, like a spitball. So yeah, that was fun. But hopefully I can get uh, that person on to be interviewed so I can post it on Wednesday because we are pre-recording, it will probably be earlier in the day when it posts and not at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. So look out for that. There should be a lot more interviews in the next coming weeks just because everyone's out of the mountains for the most part. There, so many of them are on their way home or already at home. Several of my friends, they're already done. They've been at home for almost a week because they almost immediately left uh, Everest Base Camp when they got down. So be on the lookout for that, and see you next week. Oh, before I forget, don't forget to subscribe, follow, comment, save, all of those things, especially if you listen to me on Apple Podcasts. Comments are key there. And so the more comments I have, the more it boosts me to the top. So I would really appreciate that because without you guys supporting me and commenting and sharing and liking, um, I can't continue to do this without you. And thanks again for all of your support. Any questions, concerns, anything like that, contact me on Facebook, email. You can even, um, if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor, you can even leave a recorded message and see you next week.